It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And if you download the iHeartRadio app and take us with you anywhere you go, you might also be listening on another radio station that carries Moment of Truth, and we welcome you if you're doing so. Or if you're listening on our SoundCloud or one of your favorite podcast platforms. It's a pleasure to have everyone with us here. And it's also a pleasure to welcome to the show today the duo Nadia and Jason Bernstick. And they are here, well, to talk about music, of course, but also because they are having uh, quite a great year, I think. They are currently, let me see here, I've got a number of things that uh, they are up for. And uh, they are nominated in the Indigenous Artists or Group of the Year for the Juno Awards. They were the winner of the Single of the Year for the Canadian Folk Music Awards for 2021, which just recently happened. So congratulations to them on that. Nominated for Indigenous Songwriters of the Year for the Canadian Folk Music Awards. And nominated for the Indigenous Artist of the Year for the Western Canadian Music Awards of 2020. Also for 2020, nominated for American Album of the Year for Independent Music Awards. But not only that, they are also nominees for the Summer Summer Solstice Music Awards that are happening on June 12th in Ottawa. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) It's a a pleasure to have you. To give people a little more information about the two of you, Nadia and Jason Bernstick, you do form the duo Bernstick. And it's uh, folk music that's brimming with the kind of chemistry that could only come from a husband and wife, Jason, a Plains Cree guitarist, and Nadia, a Francophone Métis singer-songwriter, that are creating award-winning music. And uh, the two performers whose voices and languages blend together with ease and push the boundaries of contemporary folk music. And uh, your vocal harmonies, of course, with which are magical, and allowing the beauty of simple melodies to shine through. Very, very true. It's hard to deny that the magic they create as they command the stage with their palpable performances. Now, in 2015, they created an award-winning all-original lullaby album that married languages and bridged cultures. And coming back to their folk roots, they released their long-awaited album and debut album, Hiana, which features thunderous singles of Hey No Mind, and Some Kind of Hell, which we are very familiar with here at Element FM because we play them all the time. Topping the charts in uh, the NCI, the Indigenous Music Countdown, and then uh, with the album of Burnstick encourages the reclamation of each other's respective cultures while choosing to be stronger together. And that all uh, comes through, I think, in a number of the songs. You know, as I was going through, as I say, we're familiar with a couple of the songs we mentioned there. Pay No Mind and Some Kind of Hell. But uh, there's one song that, by looking at your website and seeing the videos that you've created around some of these, there's another beautiful song there called called Prayer. And uh, it's a beautiful song as well. Oh, I pray for you at night As I sing and hold you tight Pray that you will grow into So... Tell me a little bit about the background of Bernstick. How long have you guys been together as a couple? And then who, what came first? The, the forming a couple or forming, did it come out of a love of music? <laughs> well, I, um, yeah, I know the music came second. 
Okay. Uh, the baby came third. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, we met in Iqaluit a number of years ago. Uh. I was the first time I met in um, Aboriginal Day Live. Um, and I was doing a show there with another artist. And she was on on set with the crew. And um, yeah, I know I, I was I saw her and I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and I, I basically chased after her for, for a couple of months without any luck. <laughs> and then uh, there was another show that had came up and we started talking from that point on and then uh, I invited her over to my house um, and she said no and then uh, she just showed up the next day she just invited herself over I was like okay um, and then she just never left I, I, I couldn't get rid of her and then uh, we have getting and uh, we wrote a song that day we wrote our first day our was first song first music. day and then um, yeah so and then we obviously got engaged got married and then um, Keanu came along and then, um, that's our son. That's uh, our son. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, um, yeah. And it, we just kind of been working on music independently and with each other ever since. So, um, Nadia writes her own stuff. I write my own stuff, but, um, it's interesting how like the, the birthstick thing, it's different from, um, what she does and different from what I do a little mm. bit. So it's like, it kind of is what it is. It's its own thing. It's really, really cool. It is, and obviously it, it does have its own flavor. It brings that magic of your two voices and your two talents together, as, as has been pointed out. Let me ask you this. When you first started writing together, did you first notice, and do you, do you understand the magic that is coming through in the music you're, you're pulling together together? For me, I think I was more flabbergasted just sitting next to her and playing music with mm-hmm. her. I was like... I was just in awe at the, you know, like it was one of those things, as cheesy as it may sound. I think I was more just like enjoying the energy um, that was happening. Uh, but I noticed like when we play live or now, or even like recordings and, or, you know, rehearsing or singing, I can hear um, the tones in our voices and the way they, they mesh together. It's really, mm. I really enjoy it. And it's, it's, um, it just kind of, that's what happens. And I have never like, um, sang so consistently with someone else before mm. and brought it to, you know, at her singing, her voice has brought me to another level as well. Mm. And it's made me a big, better vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it, it, you really have to listen to each other. And it was always, it was always easy in a way, like doing music together or playing music together. And it was never like difficult. It was always so natural right from the beginning. So I think that that's what was, maybe I didn't, notice the magic or, or 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 understand it at that moment but it was always so easy and it always just sounded good and so mm-hmm. I think that that was sort of the start of it um for myself and then now when I like listen to our recordings and hear what we've been able to do together and just hearing um like people responding to it I I can understand what we've done and what we have and it's really it is really special it most certainly is, and I think it's um, it's very unique sounding. It's a very strong and striking sound that you guys bring together uh, out of your music, and it's wonderful to see. Uh, congratulations to both of you for finding each other <laughs> and bringing the music together that has come out of this uh, this union that you guys have have, have put together. Uh, Jason, has the uh, the awe factor worn off for you <laughs> in this relationship? Or oh are you God, still? No. no, and that's what's fun about it. It's just like um, uh, we well, you know what happens when you 
you know, get odd. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen, right? I mean, like, you know, like sometimes rehearsals are a bit distracting. And, you know, I'm like, she's beautiful and, mm. um, you know, I'm always attracted to her. And so I think that's probably part of the, part of what happens is, mm. is that energy. So I, I think it's, um, so no, um, to answer your question, the offer hasn't worn off. I think she can testify to that as well. That's really funny. I I feel like I said that it was it's easy to to, to sing together. I think that it's I think it it's easy in a, a, a manner of speaking. But then when we get into the recording studio, it's <laughs> we have very um, we come to the table with very specific visions, and mm-hmm. um, so we're <laughs> we're often bickering or arguing about about how to make um, arrangements work, like. Uh, different musical arrangements work, but I think that just makes it better. I think it may, it, the end product of what we create just makes it a lot better because we're, mm. we're, we're coming to the table with such, such strong um, visions for, mm. for what we want. Now, speaking of the strong visions, it, that makes me think of a couple of things. The lyrical content that you bring, uh, the simplicity of how things flow out of your music together, um has the has that that element that that the voices work so well and blend so well and so comfortably together has that influenced if this makes any sense to you how the music is is, is uh how you're interpreting it if that makes any sense or or how the arrangements come together yeah i think i know what you're saying um, you know, for one of the first songs you wrote was uh, um, uh, Every Road. Mm. And that came out of like uh, a tuning that I, I often played in, but I never really wrote a song in it. And I kind of wanted to write a song in that. And, and that's when Nadia and I started uh, writing together. And it just kind of showed up. Um, and I didn't really think too much about how the harmonies and all that was blending. It just kind of happened the way it happened. Mm-hmm. And then with Pain No Mind, that was a different thing too. Like that, that was the first song we sat down in the studio to, to start to work and, and record. And, you know, I, I became conscious of the key, um, of the arrangement of the melodies and, and how, um, I don't just how it flowed, I think, after the fact. Mm. <clears throat> I listen to it now and I'm kind of more aware. And I almost don't want to be, but, you know, it just happens. I'm almost more aware of like... Um, the keys and, and mm. the types of things that we do that actually mesh together really well. Um, I'm, now I'm conscious of it. Whereas before I wasn't. Right. I would say. That's true. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. Like I think in the beginning it was just, we would just come together and create something. Whereas as now I know what works and what doesn't. And so I think that now when I'm writing, I'll write more specifically to what works with our voices or what mm. works with our lyrics mm. or how they're sung. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, I think in the beginning it was just, we just kind of did it naturally. We didn't weren't really thinking of it until it worked. And mm. Yeah. At the same time too, like when writing, I'm just trying to stay out of my own way mm-hmm. and not put up those things too. Like, you know, those boundaries and limitations on whatever it is we're doing and just kind of just go with whatever is happening in that moment. So, um, we have a number of things right now that we're working on and um, we're chipping away at. Um, it's pretty rare of us to sit down and just finish one song and move on to the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now we're both like, we have a, some songs that we're, we're chipping away and we're doing it what we can. And, um, you know, having a little toddler and in our working lives and whatever else, it's a little tough sometimes to sit down and just work on stuff. But when the moment hits us, like we sit down and we, we hammer some stuff up for sure. 
Right. Now, if you go to your website, uh, burnstickduo.com, you can see all uh, about you, uh, some, some wonderful pictures, great videos. I want to talk about the videos a little bit as well. Um, I, I, the other thing, though, with the, with the songs, it says, of course, this is uh, Keanu, is the, is the debut uh, album. So uh, singles prior to this, other uh, songs, but this is the first, uh, first album? Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did the Lullaby album, but that was sort of like not not really the music we do. It was more of a sort of special project that I I wanted to do for my nieces and nephews at the time. Mm. Um, And so I don't really feel like that was our first um, true album. Um, I do think this is more of our debut album. Okay. Now, that's interesting that you you say you wanted to do that for your nieces and nephews, because, of course, with with Kiana, uh, the the name of the album and the name of your son, as you pointed out, the first thing we see written about that is we are a family. And I'm wondering about that importance, the importance of family. What is how does that how does that fit into this this blend of music and family? Well, when we. um when we decided to, to extend or expand our family, um, you know, we both had names in mind for a girl and a boy. And um, uh, we decided on a boy that would be Keanu. And when we told my mom what his name was, she said, oh, Keanu, mm. which is us, right? Mm. And um, so we got into that conversation about family and, and what it meant. And we started thinking about it. It just made sense. So the, all of, of the time when this album was being made and, and when we were writing and, and going to the studio, it was just it was very, you know, that family element was there like all the time. And it just made sense to call it that and where the songs were coming from and all that stuff. Like it just it just that was that was that's what transpired. Mm. I think having our son come into our lives really like um, made our focus be the, our family. And it I think it expands to our larger family and then to our whole society in in a way like I think that those relationships just really became ultra important for us and maybe more so than I or than I thought they were before um and just recognizing the importance of having um having family and having that community support um and I and yeah I think it just became a larger a larger, a larger thing. Once our son um, came into our lives, and we real, it, it was sort of our perspectives were changed a little bit. Mm. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Nadia and Jason Bernstick, the duo. You can go to their website at bernstickduo.com to find out all about them, see their music, see their videos. And uh, they're a folk music duo that uh, brings wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful music together. We play them a lot here on Element FM. In fact, uh, Pay No Mind and uh, Some Kind of Hell are two songs that we play uh, off their new album, uh, Keanu, which is the name of their son, as we've uh, found out from talking to them today. And it's a pleasure to have them on because they are also, they're, they're nominees in a number of categories and in different awards. The Juno Awards for this year, they are nominated for Ind- Indigenous Artist or Group of the Year. They are also nominated in the the uh, Summer Solstice Music Awards that are coming up for June 12th. And so they are also winners in the uh, 
the single of the year for the Canadian Folk Music Awards of this year, which were announced earlier uh, as well. So congratulations to them on all those fronts. And it's a pleasure to have them on the show to talk about the album, talk about their music. And, you know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the two songs that we specifically, as I mentioned, play here on the show, Pay No Mind and Some Kind of Hell? Can you take us through those? You know, I can't help thinking about your videos when I when I think of the songs as well, um, because they're wonderful in their... Uh, they don't overpower the music, and they they allow both of you to be seen as well as your son specifically is in there in one of them as well. And it's wonderful to see. Uh, yeah. So just to, sorry, just to clarify, let's go back a little bit. So it's my, our son's name is Keanu and the album name is Kian now. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. And, and you heard it and my mom heard it kind of the same way where it sounds like the same thing, but it's, it's actually a little bit different. So Kian now is Cree for, for us. So that's, that's what that is. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, the, those two songs were, um, I bet you anything that when we started like Pay No Mind, the, the picking pattern and um, uh, the way that I was playing that, uh, the Weizenborn at that time was probably different than when we went into the studio and sat down with the drummer and played mm. it live off the floor. Mm. Something happened and um, it, it just kind of went, and, and, I, and I don't, it's, it's a picking pattern that I don't normally play. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of what came out in that situation. And it was another one of those things where that conversation was like, well, let's get the drums to do this and let's do it. And, um, and, and the drummer just came in and did what he does. And, and then I played to what, you know, that and mm. Nadia played to, to what I was doing and we kind of did the thing together. So the process was really interesting. Spread across the papers Laid across the screen Um, with some kind of hell um, that pretty much stayed where it started like with that drive and that rhythm um, and again with the Weizenborn um, yeah and I you know like personally I had a, an idea about how it was going to go um, Nadia bought, bought some really cool um, uh, vocal ideas to it and yeah it, it's, it's just oh yeah and obviously we, 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 we uh, co-produced that one with uh, Murray Marie Pulver as well, mm. who um, uh, we had a diff- bit of a different arrangement and he had rearranged mm. um, it. Do you want to explain what um, some kind of hell means, like what, where it comes from? Oh, yeah, then there's that. Um, yeah, basically what I was thinking about was, um, you know, like if an elder from way back in the day from 1800s or whatever were to come here today and, and see some of the things that they're, they, that's happened to the world and, mm. and indigenous community, um, how they would feel. And, um, you know, and what they would do about it. Mm. And I, I would think that they would, they would fight um, to, um, you know, help their people survive and, and um, uh, persevere. And I don't think they would stop until they were gone. And that's basically what that song is about. And, um, you know, you think about like, you know, like, uh, like just the way things are in the world today and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that care about it and, and obviously like wanted, wanted to do better. So I think that's what the, the spirit of the song came out of, like from that perspective. Mm. Also on an environment level too, like if they came back and saw what we were doing yeah. to the world and to, to our people, I think it was really about, about that. Yeah. And it's like, uh, 
you know, they're like, they're, they're, I think the first line is, uh, there's no lie that uh, can save you from yourself. So it's like, basically like, it doesn't matter how you spin, whatever it is you're saying, it's still a lie. It's still what it is, what it is. And, you know, you know, you have to deal with that at some point. And, you know, that's, that's looking at those things about, you know, we're, we're really geared by money and drive yeah. by money a lot of the time and at what cost. So I think that's what that's, that's kind of referring to. Yeah, well, and, and I guess it becomes even more important once we bring uh, children into the picture, don't we? Because we think about seven generations and, and our immediately exactly first it. generation. You know, that's exactly it. And I think the last verse is I raised my hand uh, for all those who gave the most uh, from their prayers, from the cries of a child uh, to their last ghost. Mm. So that was referring to uh, residential schools and yeah. CFS system mm. and those that, um, you know, uh, keep culture alive and um, support communities, indigenous communities. That's what that was referring to. Right. And raising my hands wasn't about um, uh, fighting. It was more about uh, a show of respect. Mm. Um, like in the West Coast cultures, they, they raise their hand when they, they raise their hands with their hands, uh, the back of their hands facing you um, as a show of respect. And um, I, I love that, that image. And that's something that that's what I was referring to as well, where it's like I raise my hands, raise my hands to all those who gave the most. Right. Um, you know, so it's, um, yeah, that's, that's where that came from. Now you brought up the Weisenborn's guitar and, uh, it's of course a very unique looking guitar that you play like a slide guitar. If you, it, is it essentially a slide guitar? Is that what you'd call it? Yeah, that's, that's initially what they were made for. Um, there's different versions of them. Uh, a guy named Herman Weisenborn back in the ni- late teens and uh, into the early thirties was making these instruments in California. And uh, I think there was probably about 5,000 or so made. Um, I stumbled upon the instrument years ago, and I had some copies made for me, and I still have them, and I love them very much. Mm. Um, but I always wanted originals, and I managed to, to get my hands on some. <laughs> and um, I've been a bit of a collector ever since. <laughs> so I have a, um, 1923s, 1927s, wow. style one through, through three. I have a style four Kona. Um, which is a different one. I love how like no one knows. No one knows what I'm talking about. Which is hilarious. But they're essentially like slide guitars. People yeah. think that all their dobros are they're not dobros. Dobros actually right. came after that. Yeah. Um, they are. Um, yeah, they're just a different instrument altogether. They're warm. They're rich. Yeah. Um, they're just so fat sounding. And yeah. I absolutely love playing them. And they look really solid. Made out of Hawaiian wood. I understand. Sorry, say again. Made out of wood from Hawaii. Yeah, uh, koa wood from Hawaii yeah. from like, like always 1923 to yeah. 1927. So it's like 100 years old. Yeah. And who knows how you know, old the trees were before then when, when they, you know, made the guitars from that. So they're, yeah. they're holding up really well. They're super incredibly lightweight. Mm. Um, but I've never had any issues with um, like any kind of bracing or anything like mm. that. It's just, uh, um, there's nicks and dings and things in them, but that's expected, you know, yeah. instrument 100 years old. Yeah. But they are phenomenal. Like, I think one of the, for the guitar head nerds out there, like when I, I let the, let it resonate, mm. some of them last about 18 seconds, wow. which is incredibly long. It is. Well, for, that's for an instrument to, to resonate that long. That's great. Um, now, you know, off the top, we, we also talked about the fact that you are, you're the winner of the single of the year for the Canadian Folk Music Awards. You're also nominated for the Junos. You're nominated for the Summer Solstice uh, Music Awards as well, which are coming up on June 12th. 
um, the attention and the accolades that have been coming your way. How do you guys feel about this? <laughs> it's interesting because it's a, an interesting time to, to sort of um, get recognition for, for our album. I think that I'm thrilled by the recognition. It's super humbling and very grateful for it. I love, I'm, thrilled that people are listening to the album mm. um at the same time i think it was it's kind of been maybe good for us that, we're, that we can't be out in public and that we can just be <laughs> that we're just at home and it's it hasn't really changed anything like mm. other than seeing you know posts on facebook and social media mm. um on on our daily our daily lives have have not changed which mm. i think is a really really good for us so right. Um, very humbled by the recognition. Um, but I think because of this whole um, time that we're living in, it, it really hasn't changed much for us. Mm. Wow. I think being nominated too amongst like other artists that are just absolutely phenomenal in mm. all categories and all nominations. And right. um, it's amazing. Like that the, the quality of the musicianship out there is the singers and the songwriters and all that and you know being mentioned among them is, is an absolute honor yeah phenomenal phenomenal artists and it's just like we're kind of we're blown away actually by it because we, we did not expect what's happening right now mm. by any by any stretch right um the other thing i guess is is that because like you say you're in this lockdown sort of situation um the videos that go along with your songs um can you quickly talk a little bit about those I can't yeah. stand my hair. And- <laughs> <laughs> You're growing out the hair. <laughs> the dad bod was happening. I'm just like, oh, it's not great. Wait, I love those though. <laughs> I I love the simple video for some or lyric video for some kind of hell. Um, I love this simple video for prayer. Mm. Um, it just I you know like as much as I would love to you know have really like. Uh, high budget music videos I think that these are so special Mm. and the fact that we like now even though they weren't that long ago I already can watch them and see how young my our son was in them (laughs) and it's kind of um and see how special that moment was and how really those songs and and the recording of the album centered around him Mm. Um, so I think that that's really special they're not they're not high budget videos (laughs) they're not but I I love them so much well I think I I love them too and when I watch them that's exactly what I do I watch I watch them for him I don't watch them for my my bot or my (laughs) (laughs) well I think it's wonderful that you have those memories now that you you have them for yourselves and for him uh, as well um, these are family me- memories and treasures that you'll be able to, to take forward. And the fact that they are seeing, like, like you're saying, they're not high budget. I don't think that I don't think that affects this at all. Uh, I think you've done some wonderful work with with the, the simplicity of them. And they, like I said off the top, they don't overpower the song. They don't uh, they they don't fight it. You know, they they work with it just like your vocals and your and the songs work uh, together. So congratulations uh, to you on. Uh, this wonderful family you've bringing together, uh, and your your son, and um, and and all the accolades and and uh, the wonderful uh, work that's coming, f- you know, out of what you're doing. Uh, we, we wish you all the best in the future, and we look forward to hearing more from you guys uh, coming down the pipe in the future. And and we wish you all the best as well. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
They are the voices of Nadia and Jason Bernstick, the duo. And as I said, you can see more by going to their website at bernstickduo.com. And that is this portion of the show. I'm your host, David Moses. Don't go away. We will be right back here on Moment of Truth with more right after this. When all my, all my will is gone. When all my, all my days are done. Back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app if you download that app. Type in our coordinates, then you can take us with you anywhere you go. And you can also listen on our SoundCloud, of course. And you might also be listening on your favorite podcast, which is fine. And we also welcome those people listening on other radio stations now carrying Moment of Truth. It's a pleasure to have you all with us. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show today, we have with us the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, Dorothy Downs. And we're also joined by Judith Schuyler. She's the indigenous filmmaker, for, and rather an indigenous filmmaker from the United Nation of the Thames, who is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival Indigenous Programs. So it is a pleasure to welcome both Dorothy and Judith to the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure Hi, to David. be here. Hey, and I, I want to mention that, you know, we had to schedule a, a bit of a different time in the day because Judith, uh, although works with, the, with this London Film Festival, uh, is on the other side of the planet right now in New Zealand where she's working on a project. So we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come and join us from so many miles away. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I actually moved here uh, with my partner about six months ago. And how are things down there? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's not really any COVID down here, so it's kind of business as usual. Wow. That must be strange. <laughs> it was strange at first and now it's, I'm sort of, it's now it's just, it just seems like normal. And I feel really bad when I see on the news and right. you know, that my family keeps getting, you know, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown keeps getting extended. Right. Um, Cause I know what that's like and it's, yeah. it's not fun and it's not easy. So what would you say they are doing down there that is making it so, you know, so great for, for everybody to get around and, and no cases? Well, the borders were closed yeah. uh, completely. So nobody was allowed to come in for uh, a, a long time. And they had, they, I think they're the ones who figured out the contact tracing method to figure out who, who's where, what, you know, I, I think it had a lot to do with that. Mm. Um, and that they did of, of complete lockdown the, when it first got here, six weeks of um, 
no one was allowed to leave their homes except to go straight to the grocery store and that's it. And if you were out, you couldn't even go for a jog or go for a walk. Um, So I think just the hard lockdown and uh, the contact tracing and shutting the borders really worked. Wow. Well, good timing, I guess, on your part to get there at that time before they did shut it all down. (laughs) Great. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know it's early in the morning there and your day is just getting going, but we we thank you for joining us. I want to come back to Dorothy because, Dorothy, the, um, the festival, the Forest City Film Festival, takes place in London, Ontario, and it's your baby. You founded this. Can you tell us a little bit more about how and why and when? Yeah, we, we've been around for five years now. We're going into our sixth year. And the concept of this festival is to celebrate films and filmmakers connected to the region of southwestern Ontario. So um, while we are not actually a local film festival, we, we actually are an international film festival. And it shows how connected we are to the rest of the world. We get films from all over the place. Mm. Um, but the connection is through the key creative team, that somebody on the key creative team has to have spent a portion of their life somewhere in the region of southwestern Ontario. So that's everywhere west of Toronto, um, all the way down to Windsor, up to Owen Sound, down to Niagara Falls. So it's a large region mm-hmm. and a very diverse population. Um, and there's lots of connections all over the world. So it's really fun to to curate a group of films. Um, and so we run for, uh, we're, this year we're going to be a hybrid festival. Last year we were fully virtual. We're very optimistic that we're going to be able to do some live things this year. So we're really excited about it. And we're working, um, we're building our way to just generate um, a, a film culture in Southwestern Ontario to to build an appreciation for this incredible art on on multiple different levels. We have films at the festival that are narratives, documentaries, animations. We have a new experimental category. We have a very important indigenous program that we do every year. We bring in French films from Quebec. We are, we're just working at, at all different levels. In addition to the festival, we've grown really quickly. We also have now Um, We've had industry sessions. We're very much focused on independent filmmakers at this festival. And our industry sessions are now turning into the Ontario Screen Creators Conference. So that's really exciting. We've got lots of amazing things happening there this year, uh, including a $55,000 feature film pitch for filmmakers from all across Canada. So that's really, um, we're very excited about to see where that, takes us and we also have a youth film festival that's wonderful celebrating high school filmmakers from across southwestern ontario and that's growing like gangbusters also lots of demand lots of wonderful things right so this festival uh, as you say it's international but it's connected to the region of around london as you mentioned so it's kind of interesting how that ties in because it can only be international because the people from the region have gone out to make those connections initially to bring those back to this area, right? Yes, yes. Um, I, I mean, there's, there certainly are films that get made here occasionally too, yep. um, but we don't, we don't focus on that. Right. Uh, we focus on the talent and the artists yes. from the region. We want to celebrate those, that, that, those talents, whoever they may be. Why did you think this was 
something that would fly in the London area? And how did you, you know, what what was the spark that that came to you to say, hey, this this will work? Ah, good question. Well, I have been in the film and television industry for um, quite a few years, and and my son uh, actually became a precocious young filmmaker <laughs> in his early teenage years. And when he was 15, he finally wrote a really interesting looking film. And I thought, I'm just going to give him a real experience. So I acted as the executive executive uh, producer and I, I hired a really good DOP and they did the whole storyboarding together. And my son put the whole film together and then we submitted it to a bunch of festivals and he got into Raindance, an international film festival in London, England. Um, and it's one of the top 10 uh, independent filmmaker festivals around the world. So we were thrilled. We flew over there and went to see his film. And it was a wonderful experience. And it was very inspiring for me. And on the way back, I started doing research where else he could put a film around, um, around London. Because I said, I thought to myself, it's a shame that nobody in this area is going to have a chance to really see this film. And I had a lot. I've got a lot of very talented friends who are also filmmakers and I wanted to bring all of their films together and to just show them off to Londoners because I felt London should celebrate these talents. And um, as I researched, I realized London was the only town I could find of its size pretty much in North America that didn't have a long, long standing and successful film festival. Wow. So it had to be fixed. Great. So you, you, put your feet in the water and you got it going. And, and so what happened, just, just trying to get a little bit of history and context here for it. What was it like the first year? It was uh, a real challenge. I did it completely in my spare time. Um, so worked all my, all my evenings and weekends to put this thing together. It was, we had um, three days. We had about 25 films and one venue and um, it was it was wonderful. London turned out, but still only yeah, well, twelve hundred Londoners turned out, which was I thought not a bad starting point for a small film festival. And um, since then, we've grown four times in audience size. And um, at, yeah, how I haven't I haven't even thought of how much as far as time and space and venues and right. certainly now we typically have about 75 films that we screen over the course of the six days. Well, this year it'll be six days of live and six yeah. days of virtual. So, and, and we don't really have a, a solid number on how many films we're going to be screening yet because we're accepting submissions still until the 15th of July. So we're still in the process of gathering our films. Yes. And thank you for mentioning the dates uh, for gathering the films because the actual festival takes place in the, in the fall in October, correct? Yes, it does. October um, uh, 19th to the 24th is the live portion. And that will be this year of 2021, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so at this point with all of the, the work that we're doing, we are gathering our films. So we are looking for talented people out there who are connected to Southwestern Ontario to, uh, to, to submit their films, mm. um, particularly for our Indigenous programming. We really, really want to see the talent. We've got music videos that we really are encouraging people to submit mm-hmm. um, because we, we just want, we want more diversity, um, more real 
voices mm. to, to really show what our region is, who our region is. Right. Um, and we also have a screenwriters lab. So we're looking to, in July, we're doing a screenwriters lab um, and we've got 15 lucky people who are going to be chosen to do this lab. Um, it's $300 cost, but we have five scholarships thanks to the Canada Media Fund for Indigenous screenwriters. So we're really, really looking for some talented people to to um, engage with us. Okay, that's a nice segue over to Judith. So Judith, um, when did you first get involved with the film festival? Well, I got involved uh, just over a year ago, I think, or maybe a couple of years ago now at this point. Um, but I used to live in London, Ontario. I mean, I grew up in and around London. I'm from the Oneida Nation of the Thames, which is just 20 minutes outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was at the Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival in Toronto for the past six years. So um, my knowledge of, you know, the Indigenous film uh, world internationally is quite extensive, um, but specifically, um, Dorothy brought me on to gather films from the region. So we have, you know, a lot of filmmakers that are established um, from southwestern Ontario. And um, so, for instance, Lisa Jackson is from uh, the First Nations near Sarnia. And we have uh, Zoe Lee Hopkins, who we programmed last year as well, who is from the Mohawk Nation of Six Nations, and that's near Brantford. Um, There's three First Nations that are near London. That's Chippewa, Muncie, and Oneida. And there's just a, there's Walpool Island, who Mm -hmm. we're trying to get some people from down there. So we just really want to get the netcast to to grab some more filmmakers and, you know, bring some more people up. So I'm so happy that Dorothy's got these scholarships um, that, you know, will just open some doors because maybe some people might not be able to afford it, um, you know, or especially right now during COVID. um, And also just give somebody, you know, a few people the opportunity to work with some really great uh, screenwriters and people who know what they're talking about. Um, So mostly we're just trying to get people in London and surrounding area to see the talent that's out there. You know, there's a lot of first nations talent, um, you know, and they're rising to the top, you know? So I know that in London, when I lived there, I, I, there was no film festivals and I didn't even know that, you know, making a film or being a filmmaker was an option. I didn't know that it was even, you know, something that it was not even in my scope of thinking, when I got to Toronto, that's what I saw. You know, there's so many artists and international filmmakers um, that are Indigenous, you know. So when I saw that, that's when I, I you know, went to film school and I started um, making films. But I have been working in radio and for festivals the last <laughs> few years. So that's what I'm actually doing right now. I took some time. So I'm actually working on my next short film. And um, I've got a feature film in development as well. So that's what I'm doing um, to try and get back into the to the filmmaking scheme. But um, yeah, this year we're going to have more First Nations films different than last year from all the way from Ottawa, all the way down to um, Sarnia Reserve. Or it's not called Sarnia Reserve, but I cannot pronounce the name and I just don't want to butcher it right now. Um, but it's near Sarnia, uh, the city of Sarnia. And also we have Janet Rogers, who's going to be hosting the Indigenous uh, program this year because 
obviously I'm not going to be there. And also we just want to give other people an opportunity, right? Janet Rogers is a Tuscarora and Mohawk from Six Nations and she is phenomenal and she's a very vocal person. She's worked in radio. She's a filmmaker. She's a poet, you know, so she's, um, I'm, I'm so happy that, that she'll be getting some more, uh, you know, getting herself out there in, in, in London, Ontario as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the leg up or one of you guys tell us about the leg up lab? Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, the leg up lab is um, where filmmakers have a chance to go from amateur to pro, take the next step in their career. So we have people, Emma Donahue is our anchor speaker. Emma Donahue is the, the screenwriter of the film room. Um, Academy nominated screenwriter and her actually her latest film is or her latest book has just been um, is just going to camera in Ireland in August. So the wonder she's going to have another film um, out and she's coming to talk. We've got um, a Hollywood writing coach coming to help um, do some career coaching for these people that that get into this. We got Chris Pern talking about working in a writer's room in the television world. Um, Jessica Shadlock is coming from um, from Boat Rocker Studio to talk about pitching and help people learn to pitch their their ideas. Um, tell them what's important. There's all in all, we've got about nine different segments over the course of four weekends. It's huge value for somebody who is interested in becoming a screenwriter. Um, huge value. And, uh, and on top of that, it's sponsored by uh, Final Draft, as well as the Canada Media Fund. And Final Draft is providing everybody who participates the newest version of their software. So mm. it's like, you know, if you, you pay for the software, you get <laughs> two huge free weekends of uh, working with these fabulous giants of the screenwriting world. So it's really an opportunity, such a good opportunity for people from Southwestern Ontario. I, we, we do, we want to do it live. It's going to be yeah. in London and, and we're really keeping our fingers crossed. We're working with the health unit here to make sure that we've crossed all of our T's and dotted our I's and that everybody's going to be as safe as possible. We've got a big room that's socially distanced, but we just feel that, you know, it's in between those talks, those moments where you get to talk to the other screenwriters. It's just as valuable. And it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to experience doing something like this. That's not a zoom meeting. <laughs> so um, <laughs> looking forward to that. Hope it works out uh, still. Um, no 100% guarantees, but that is our goal at this stage. There's a couple of things there that you mentioned I want to come back to, but before we get there, I want to mention that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And you could be listening on the uh, iHeartRadio app. If you download the app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. This is Moment of Truth. I am your host, David Moses. My guests here on this portion of the show are Judith Schuyler, and she is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival Indigenous Programs. Um, and she is also, as she mentioned earlier, she is from the Chippewa of the uh, Thames, and uh, the Nida of the Thames, Nida. pardon me. The Nida <laughs> of the Thames. There's Chippewa of the Thames too, right? So <laughs> yes, there is. And um, it, right around in the, the southwestern part of Ontario in the London area. 
And also, of course, with us is the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, Dorothy Downs. And we're talking about the Forest City Film Festival now in its sixth year. And of course, last year it was virtual um, and it's had some great success, as we heard from uh, Dorothy say earlier, that is a, a local sort of regional film festival that is international uh, with people in the area that have have connections to have either left the area and have a connection somewhere else that bring those films back into the to the film festival. Um, but they also, of course, do local films as well. They've also got this great indigenous component that we've been talking about as well with uh, Judith. And it's a pleasure to have them both on, a sh- on the show talking about this. Now, if we have uh, sort of uh, piqued people's interest about uh, wanting to know more, I know people can go to the website at the fcff.ca. Uh, is that where people can, can you know, register and find out more? Absolutely. There, there's, it's a really robust website, so it might take you a couple of minutes to look around, but there's a screenwriters tab for the screenwriting lab. Um, and the information on the festival itself is all there. There's lots of information for industry. We've got tons of information for the youth side of things. So if you happen to know a high school aged filmmaker, um, please refer them to that. There's, it's really robust um, everything from how to make your film to how to submit in all the different different categories. And there's prize money for, for youth also. It's a nice, fun opportunity to be seen, but also win a little bit of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so please pass that on. Right. Um, now, as you look to the future for this event, would you say that you have, uh, you've met the marks you've wanted to hit so far in the growth of this festival? Yes, yes. COVID has slowed us down a little bit. We we thought that last year would be a year of real growth. And of course, it's really tricky and challenging to to find out how many people actually watched, uh, saw the films, um, sort of make our best guess from the number of streams that we had. Uh, So we... I think that we have absolutely hit our mark where we've grown our programming and we've grown our outreach and our work within um, the film world, what we're doing for filmmakers quite significantly in the last few years. The Youth Festival is on the cusp of incredible growth also. So we sort of look that we've got three pillars um, you know, we, we work to build pride in regional audiences for the talent that comes from among us. And that's the main festival where we just show great films, really interesting, really great films that you aren't necessarily going to be able to see everywhere. And if you can see it on a streaming service, it's here with us because we have somebody really cool coming to talk. So it's that combination of filmmaker and uh, film experience and rubbing shoulders and elbows with filmmakers. So that's the regional pride. And then we work to build capacity in the regional filmmakers. And we really do that with our Ontario Screen Creators Conference and all the work that we do to reach out to emerging and independent filmmakers from across Ontario um, and specifically Southwestern Ontario. But we really nurture those relationships. You know, we we, we pay for everything we screen. We pay a portion of the ticket sales. We've done that since day one. Um, we care about the um, making connections for filmmakers and helping their careers advance. 
And then the third pillar is to inspire future filmmakers. And we do that with, first of all, showing once again, amazing films, interesting films. Mm -hmm. But secondly, um, having that connection to the region, you know, young, young filmmakers will sort of look and say, you know, I don't have to be from somewhere else. This is something that I can do. And so, um, and then the youth festival wraps it all up. We have seminars year round that go out into our member boards and anybody that's registered in high school at a high school age can submit their films to this festival and be seen and win money. So that's a trifecta of what we do. Great. Thanks for that. Now we're getting near to the end. I just want to ask you both this question. Um, So think about if there's any other dates or things that you want to get out there that people should be aware of for either, you know, just the overall uh, festival itself, uh, dates they need to submit by, um, and also, uh, uh, Judith, with the Indigenous portion of this, um, you know, what what other things people might want to be aware of. So, uh, Dorothy? Sure. Um, The submission deadlines, June 15th is the regular deadline, and then the prices for submissions go up slightly, and July 15th is the absolute latest deadline. So, um, if you can make it by June 15th, that's amazing. Uh, once again, you know, we're looking for the music videos, screenplays, narrative films, documentaries, experimental films. Um, and those are the deadlines for that. The screenwriting lab, we need to have registrations in for that lab. Um, and then we will select our 15 people that are going to be able to participate in that. And those registrations have to be in by the end of June. Mm. So uh, June 30th. And, um, and then we've got, you know, we start gearing up for the festival and everything starts with the launch and announcement of all the films on, um, in the middle of September, September 17th. And then the festival, of course, write it down 19th to the 24th. <laughs> so save the date for that. It's uh, it's really a blast. It's, there's lots happening. Sounds great. Okay. Judith. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, what, what we're trying to work towards for the future for all Indigenous content is vis- res- representation, authentic representation from visibly First Nations and Inuit people. Um, we've had a lot of issues recently with identity fraud, and we're just really trying to stay away from that. Um, so everybody that's that's been included in this program Um, Not only are we just involved in it, but we are leading this. We are leading the discussions. We are leading the programming. um, We're leading the filmmaking, the screenwriting, the directing. So that is what we're working towards is um, full representation and full control of the content that we put out there. So myself, um, Oneida Nation, we have, like I said, Janet Rogers, who is uh, hosting um, the the Indigenous program and all of the films that will be included, which I just cannot mention right now because we still have to (laughs) go through the details, um, but will all be um, First Nations filmmakers written and directed by. Um, So I just want to make that, um, that's super important, the representation and the authenticity mm. of the work and the people that we promote. Okay, great. Uh, Chimigwech for that and Yawa for that. Um, I want to, to also mention or find out, uh, going to the website, people can uh, get hold of you through the, the website as well, if they yeah. need to? Or Yep, yep. The, the email is all there. Um, okay. uh, it's also just info at uh, forestcityfilmfest.ca. And specifically for the Indigenous element of this? 
they'll just have to put in the um, in the contact. Okay. Uh, I mean, sorry, in the in the title. Okay, it's for the indigenous, and I'll make sure that Judith gets it. All right, that sounds great. Well, I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about uh, the Forest City Film Festival going into its sixth year and wish you uh, all the best with it uh, and, and success with it. It really does sound like you've done a wonderful job over the last five years with everything that you've got involved and the people you've got involved. It sounds like you've got some wonderful, wonderful uh, things that can really help people uh, and really, uh, really expose the area and the people that are going to be participating to some Absolutely fabulous opportunities, like you said, right off the top. So, yeah, all the best. And we look forward to uh, uh, speaking with you again, maybe as we get closer to the dates uh, for this uh, festival and find out how it's progressing. Uh, it would be great to have both, uh, both, both of you back on to talk about this, because maybe Judith at that point will have those, those films finalized, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It would be my pleasure, our pleasure. Yeah, right, Judith? Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thank you both once again. And Judith, thanks for joining us from New Zealand. It's not often that we get to see, uh, you know, and have uh, someone from from sort of down under joining us. So it's great having you on the show. Yeah, go. Thank you for having me. You bet. And uh, also to Dorothy, I want to say thanks to Dorothy Downs, the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, for joining us, along with Judith Schuyler. She is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival, and she is a member of the United Nation from the Thames. It was a pleasure to have them both on the show talking about the Forest City Film Festival. Coming up, as mentioned, it's going to be in October, and that is from October 19th to the 30th, and it's going to be online as well as some hybrid stuff, some live stuff they're hoping to have. So I just want to say uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day. I'm your host, David Moses, and we'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.